This, I think, should be your choice if you're looking for 1999 movies about relationship bets over cruel intentions. Uh, I will just oh say... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Aaron Dicer and Jeremy Scott. Just bring me some cereal. That cereal is full of unhealthy ingredients. I threw it away. Don't throw away my stuff. Frank, that cereal is for children. Enjoy this grapefruit. You're for children, stupid. Hello, everybody. I was getting a phone call and looking down. Uh, it's episode 83 of Recotopia. I am Jeremy Scott. And I'm Dicer. And welcome to the chat, turning out this week and every week uh, to watch and chime in while we record this episode live mm -hmm. um where anything can go wrong <laughs> at a moment's notice this week's big recommend uh, brought to you by me is robot and frank but before we dive into that it's time for the small recommends aaron did you bring any wee tiny little recommends it's no big deal it's so small and light it's small it's tiny it's petite it's wee i brought uh, a couple for you uh let's start with the tv show i want to talk a little bit about ahsoka i'm really really mm. enjoying it mm. it's easy to i think boil down and minimize why i'm enjoying this show to the fact that you know jedi fights and lightsabers like it's back like I, you know the thing i fell in love one of the things i fell in love with about star wars as a kid were the lightsaber battles the jedi doing cool stuff the force yeah. pushes like all that kind of stuff and star wars i think rightly so has tried to broaden beyond and go a little bit look it's not all about jedis and lightsabers like there's mm -hmm. all this world building that can go on um you know with this universe and the mandalorian has been a good example of that um there is certainly some force stuff in the, the mandalorian with um uh, uh, Jin Grogu or whatever uh, his name is at this point. Uh, but Ahsoka is kind of that, you know, thing. Now I have a familiarity with the source material. I uh, have watched Rebels and Clone Wars. And so I know where these characters come from. I think this show does something interesting where it doesn't babysit people who haven't watched Rebels and Clone Wars. I say interesting because I don't know that it's good. I think it makes it a little less uh, accessible. I, I would guess a little less accessible for people who haven't watched Rebels. There is some expositional laying down of some tracks, but there's just so much more to be gleaned if you know the history history of these characters and what what's come before this so it's getting to an interesting place i think there are two episodes left and i wanted to come on and say how much i'm enjoying the show before it ruins it the last couple episodes because that seems to be the the pattern with these uh, marvel and star wars shows is like they, they never stick the landing i'm yep. hoping this one sticks the landing but i'm having a really good time i so. have completely checked out of star wars yeah like i i feel bad about it i really do but I didn't enjoy the prequels. I still don't. Um, I thought Force Awakens was kind of fun, even though mm -hmm. walking out of the theater, I knew it was just a new hope with a different coat of paint. Mm -hmm. um, didn't like either of the next two films. Haven't watched any of the shows. I don't know anything about Clone Wars or Rebels. So this doesn't move the needle for me, which is no. sad. And I've heard Andor is incredible. And I'm not Andor that is one great in that you don't really have to have. I mean, it's it's fine if you know the movie uh, that he made as well, um, uh, which is the name slipping my brain right now, um, which is one of the better Star Wars movies they've uh, made aside from the. Oh, the did he make the, uh, the, the get the plans for the Death Star girl? <laughs> yes, yes, Rebel, I can't believe, can't believe uh, I can't remember the name of that movie. Forrest Whitaker, Protectee. You got um, it. You got it. Yes. Rogue One. Thank you, Slap. This is why the chat is important. It is. It really they're, they're, is. Because our, our aging brains are just yeah. having trouble grasping things. Uh, so yeah, Rogue One, if you have like Rogue One in your mind, it does make Andor maybe a little bit more interesting. But it is, man, it's high quality television making, whether it was Star Wars or not. There's some great stuff in Andor. Interesting. Um, yeah, interesting. That you might enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I just there's just some stuff I just like, okay, so Netflix has this new show called One Piece that's based mm -hmm. on sure. an anime. That's yeah. I think popular with every single person in the world except for me. I've never, and me. 
I don't know anything about any of it. I'm yeah. like, I see headlines that are like, you don't need to know the anime to get into the show. And I'm like, the show looks on the surface <laughs> like something I need an encyclopedia. Like, right. Right. Anyway, I'm just accepting that I'm getting older and some stuff I'm just not going to like. And I want people who like stuff to like stuff. And yeah. uh, well, this is stuff I like. I like Ahsoka. I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad so, to hear it. I go. do like uh, that actress. Um, Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Aging mm -hmm. brains. We should uh, <laughs> subtitle this show. This could be Recotopia Aging Brains. Um, something that I like uh, that I've discovered recently, um, and occasionally I will recommend to you guys an Instagram account, uh, and I have a new one to recommend today called Cooking for Levi. This may be worth signing up for Instagram alone. Um, I don't know what Instagram is to you if you're not on that platform. Before I ever joined it, it was like photographs, and I didn't have any real interest in just a photo app. But at this mm -hmm. point, seems mostly for my consumption of video sharing app um, and cooking for Levi is a uh, very experienced Michelin caliber chef um, who cooks for his four-year-old two-year-old sorry and here are the reasons that these videos are great the cooking the videos are short they're like maybe a minute long because he edits them down but the cooking is so elevated and high quality there's even a, a video that of Gordon Ramsay watching one of these videos and it blows his mind that this dad is this good of a chef. Mm -hmm. uh, the second reason is that Levi is one of the most adorable children I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And he will, in the middle of eating, hold things up and go, does this have protein? Um, why aren't you eating any? Uh, and episode, <laughs> every episode starts with him asking, what do you want to eat? And then the kid says this long, complicated dish like quail sous vide or whatever but he's like two. uh it's just a, if i need a palate cleanser if i need some like eye bleach from bad news on the internet or something yeah uh, i go and watch these videos they just warm my, my heart i wish i could cook like this um but anyway uh that's my first small recommend instagram cooking for levi i don't think you'll be disappointed at all I looked uh, when I was uh, researching this uh, to find images and that kind of stuff. Uh, I was looking through some of the videos, and they are absolutely adorable. Um, and it's nice when a great concept just works. Like, it's a great concept. Feed your two-year-old high-level cuisine, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's an elevator pitch that just works. What does a two-year-old do? when he eats something from a fancy restaurant or whatever. Um, and yeah, it just, it works. It just yeah, works. It does. It's good stuff. Uh, let's talk about a movie for my second small recommend. Uh, it's been out for a while, but just recently arrived on digital. Uh, Past Lives mm. um, is the movie. This is a debut feature uh, wow. from this director. And I've heard her talk a little bit about her experience making the movie. And uh, it's garnering some of the first Oscar buzz of the season or was. It's one of the first movies that came out in uh, 2023 where people were like, watch out for this one come, you know, later in this year. And I totally understand why. It is absolutely, um, it's one of those movies that grabs you because you just find yourself immediately invested in the emotional storytelling, the decisions that these characters are making and why, why they are making these decisions. The idea of the movie is basically that Nora, who uh, was born and raised for a few years in Korea, um, ends up moving to the United States with her family when she's very young, but she had a friend, a boy, friend uh who was you know as they were kids you know pre-adolescence or whatever loved hanging out together and had a good time she moves to the the u.s and they separate but then they reconnect later on once uh, technology allows skyping those kind of things when they're older and then she ends up marrying an american and you know several years down the road uh, this guy from Korea comes to visit and all of a sudden we are left with this idea of how the past impacts our present and mm. whether and what is, you know, how does she see this relationship? What is this relationship to her? What is it to him? Um, I found this, this movie to be very 
open and honest and modern about how it views relationships and what they are. I found the conundrums that our characters are facing, uh, all three of the main characters, interesting, worth talking about. It is one of those kind of movies that if you're going to go see it with somebody, especially somebody that you're in a relationship with, mm. uh, you might want to schedule dinner afterwards to oh. go have deep, meaningful conversations about, you know, uh, your relationship and how you see other people and, you know, uh, people who are meaningful to you outside of your relationships. And is that love? And what kind of love is that? Like, there's all of these really interesting, beautiful things to explore in past lives. Um, the performances are great. I was hooked every single second. Didn't need a single lightsaber uh, to be excited <laughs> about this one. Um, um, so it's yeah, I read the synopsis for this and was immediately interested in seeing it. And um, I do know, for those of you who are... Uh, hooked by Aaron's small recommend that you can rent, uh, pay to watch this at home on Amazon mm -hmm. uh, and probably other streaming services. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, good one. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yep. I'm going to go back to 1999 for my second small recommend, a movie that I re-caught over the weekend. Arguably the most 1999 movie of all time, 10 Things I Hate About You. This movie introduced most people to Heath Ledger. Um, You've also got Julia Stiles and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, very young. Um, David Krumholtz is in this, very young, even though he's much older than he's playing in this movie. And this is a, a retelling of Taming of the Shrew in a modern era. Julia Stiles is the main character. And the premise is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt wants to date her younger sister. Uh, but the younger sister is not allowed to date until the older sister is dating and the older sister hates men. Uh, and so they hire Heath Ledger's character to woo Julia Stiles and date her. They pay him to take her on a date. Um, and of course, over time, uh, they eventually fall in love with each other. Um, this is just, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I go back in time when I watch this movie. It, I say it's the most 1999 movie of all time, not just because of, the humor, but the whole aesthetic, the way the movie is put together, the music breaks. Um, there's Letters to Cleo music in this uh, movie, Left and Right, which is a band that I was familiar with and fond of back when this movie came out, but it's very 1999 sound musically. Um, and uh, yeah, it's another, it goes right there with She's All That. Um, that would be an excellent double feature, uh, Take You Back in Time. And they both have very humorous fathers of the main female character um so there you go 10 things i hate about you you can watch this movie now on disney plus or on mgm plus or um well you can rent it in other places uh this i think should be your choice if you're looking for 1999 movies about relationship bets over cruel intentions uh i will just oh, say <laughs> Uh, you have to tell everybody that you just recently, you got to tell everybody just, the journey. You I just, just recently on. not only watched Cruel Intentions, but also uh, two other movies based on uh, that same work, uh, Dangerous Liaisons and Valmont, I think is the the other one. Mm -hmm. um, so I watched them in order of release and had various thoughts about all of them. Uh, <laughs> but I will, I will land on, I did not enjoy Cruel Intentions uh, whatsoever. I think the movie is terrible. Uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, anyhow. it's no good. I did tell you going in, but I respect that you still watched it because you're yeah. a man that you know commits to a thing and uh well and 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 i've said this before and i'll say it again now i'm not sorry i watched it like that's not right. you know i'm glad that i now have my own understanding and and view of this movie just because i dislike a movie or in this case uh think it's terrible or whatever the you know i might say uh, doesn't mean I, I I I very rarely say, boy, I'd like to get that two hours back. No, I'm glad I invested that two hours in something I hated. Uh, well, at least now so, you know how Ryan Phillippe and Reese Witherspoon fell in love. Like, yes. It, that, that was the movie, from my understanding, where their relationship began. So, yes. <clears throat> anyway, um, it's time now for our big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so... Big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Uh, this week's big recommend is Robot and Frank. Uh, a charming little movie uh, with some heady themes about identity and memory and 
Um, I'm excited to dive into it. We open on what feels like a break-in, and we see Frank Langella's character, Frank. It's not hard to play a character by the same name. Uh, actually, no, that was a terrible thing to say. It's hard to play characters, but it's easier when it never mind. That's like, um, as long as the as long as the character has the same name as you, acting's easy. Acting's it's easy. Super easy. <laughs> super easy thing. Um, so uh, we it, it feels like he's breaking in. He picks up a photograph and then drops it. Uh, and we zoom in on the photograph, and, and it's a younger version of him and two children. In real life, by the way, that's actually a photo from Franklin Della's actual life and his two kids. Uh, we then cut to him the next day, seemingly, cleaning up the same room. Um, and he puts the picture into a safe that he's got behind a painting. I guess it's not a safe because he just pulls the painting open. It's like a hidden cubby or what have you. He pours some cereal into them, but he pours some cereal to eat, but the milk is sour. Then he goes into town, he appears to briefly get lost, and we're starting to see that he's got some kind of dementia. And I don't think the film ever spells out if it's Alzheimer's or what, um, but he has lost some of his memory. He goes to the library and hits on the librarian for a little bit. Uh, this feels like something he's done before. Um, his son calls, he goes outside and he says, leave me alone. I'm going to go eat at Harry's. And his son says, Harry's closed like ages ago. Uh, and he's like, no, I was just there yesterday. And he turns around and it's now this like boutique that sells soaps and little figurines. And he goes in there and steals something. And the lady who owns it catches him. And all she does is threaten to call the police next time. And basically she suggests that this has happened several times. Uh, and he is a memory losing kleptomaniac perhaps. And a uh, gas dyer, by the way, playing that, uh, that yeah. shop owner and hilarious in my opinion. Oh yeah. She doesn't get a lot of scenes, but no. she does a lot with them. She's yeah, very I agree. So uh, he goes home. Actually, his son shows up on the road while he's on his way home, drives him home, and his son has brought him a um, helper, butler, medical assistance robot thing. FYI, this is set in the near future. I should have told you that. The movie tells you that right out of the gate. Um, Frank wants nothing to do with the robot, of course. I don't know that anyone in his situation would want a robot to come and help them, but the alternative looming appears to be some sort of assisted living home, and Frank is certainly not ready for that. Uh, so he grudgingly accepts the robot. Um, and... He's antagonistic towards it. He calls it names. Um, the robot is just doing its job. Doesn't have feelings. Wakes him up early. Gives him food that Frank doesn't want to eat because it's healthier. But eventually, the robot begins to endear himself slowly to Frank. He takes it with him to the library. Uh, and then uh, to the boutique where he nearly steals another knickknack. But puts it back just before he's caught. Um, but on the walk home... Looking through the bag, he discovers that the robot went and took the knickknack for him. And this is where a light bulb goes off for Frank, where he realizes this robot doesn't have any moral programming. He even has a conversation with him where he's like, do you have any programming that tells you you can't break the law? And he basically says no. Uh, and then we get a fun little sequence where Frank teaches the robot how to pick locks um and frank tells him about his days as a jewel thief he's done two prison stints um one for a bo bogus tax evasion thing and another for uh stealing something after that uh he was a cat burglar he steals jewels um highest dollar amount per ounce um, and so he's going to basically make this robot his protege so they begin to case the library because on a previous visit Frank was shown a precious, priceless, old, old version of Don Quixote. Um, and he knows the librarian loves it. And he has a, has a thing for the librarian, so he's going to steal this book for her. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, they do. Um, they go into the library overnight. Uh, they steal the really rare books that his librarian friend loved so much. And then uh, we get this sad memory uh, back at home where the robot or Frank is trying to remember whether a memory he's having was with his son or his daughter. And then he says to the robot, was that you or your sister? 
And the movie keeps doing this. It will layer in doses of comedy, like when he tells the robot, if the kids are bothering you, say, self-destruct sequence initiated and count backwards from 10. And then it'll throw in these gut punches of, oh, yeah, this man is slowly losing his mm -hmm. world. Well, the library is being taken over or actually handed off to uh, Jeremy Strong, uh, who is this hip, modern community building guy who's going to turn the library into what sounds like a internet cafe um and uh they won't need all the physical books anymore um but he um <clears throat> is so awkward to frank he keeps talking to frank about like well your generation is so important you're the, you're our last ties to the written word it's so condescending and frank <laughs> is not so far gone that he can't tell it's condescending and at a reception for the new library thing is where he decides that's going to be my next target that guy is a dick and he has a lot of money and his wife uh, has a lot of jewels and i'm gonna i'm gonna steal them so before he can do that he does start casing the man's house but before he can do that heist we see a scene where the librarian comes for dinner that frank has forgotten about and he tells her why don't you come back later i'm working on it when he's not remotely working on it and we get the sense that this has happened before um as she sighs and puts her head on the screen door and then sets down the pie that she had brought for dinner uh and then drives away um and it's another sign of how not only frank's memory loss is costing him but it's costing other people who are in his life uh, we constantly see his son and daughter visiting and calling. Uh, his daughter's Liv Tyler. His son is James Marsden. But uh, <clears throat> hang on, I lost my place in my notes. <laughs> you just got distracted by the fact that his children are two famous actors, uh, James yeah, Marsden well, and Liv Tyler. <laughs> first two scenes Liv Tyler's in, you might feel like, boy, they probably got her cheap because she's only on video calls. But right. then the team shows up in the movie. Yeah. She shows up uh, and she whispers to the robot, and the robot shuts down. And early in the robot's existence in Frank's life, he wished for that word. He wanted to shut the robot down. He wanted the robot to have an off switch. But nobody told him the password. And so she, has, she is vehemently anti-robot. Um, and it's, it's kind of a fun notion. The movie doesn't really explore this as much as uh, I might have preferred. Um, but she comes, shuts the robot off, and says, I'm going to take care of you. Um, humans take care of humans. Um, it's inhumane to have a robot do it. <laughs> but it's only a few days uh, before Frank realizes that she's turning the robot on at night to do all the cleaning. Um, and he confronts her because this is, you know, against her ethics. Uh, and he asks her to turn it back on, and she does. And he immediately sets about the heist to the library guy. Um, <clears throat> what they steal, though, these jewels, Frank takes one look at them uh, and says, this is way too hot. Um, we're gonna have to sit on this. So they decide to sit on it for however long until the heat goes down and then they can uh, presumably sell it. But the cops show up, Jeremy Sisto, one of two Jeremy's in this movie. And yes, I will always notice when multiple Jeremy's <laughs> appear in a film. Jeremy Sisto shows up with Jeremy Strong, a hip, hipster library guy, who I'm not sure why he gets so much access in this investigation. Uh, and I'm also not sure why the cops walked in the front door all the way through Frank's house and came out the back door instead of walking around. But I'm not sitting this movie. Uh, I'm <laughs> recommending it. Um, and it seems pretty clear Frank, the major jewel thief, everybody knows is a jewel thief who lives just a mile or so down the road from this place where there was a major jewel theft, is probably the chief suspect. Uh, hipster library guy is absolutely positive it's him, um, but they don't have any proof right now. That night, Frank starts burning evidence. He sees a van outside. He thinks he's being watched. And he starts behaving pretty erratically. And the robot gets concerned and repeatedly says, I think you should go lay down. I think we should call your son if you're not acting erratically. Uh, and then he has this idea, and a light bulb again. And Frank says, call my son and tell him I'm dying. And the robot says, I don't think you're dying. Um, <laughs> and he says, no, it'll just, it'll get him up here. Um, and so it works, you know. Hunter, his son, shows up the next day, and we get kind of this faux, lovely scene where Frank appears to be genuinely apologizing. He says, I know I wasn't there. 
as often as I should have been. And then the kid has this, you know, do you remember our old apartment with that tiny little yard? And it's clear this is a magical memory for him. Mm-hmm. And Frank is like, yeah, 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 that's great. Here's this thing I want you to hide from me. And just immediately <laughs> goes into manipulation mode. Uh, the kid doesn't know what's going on, but he's given this satchel. And Frank just says, you have to go hide it immediately. Um, and so he goes outside and puts it in his trunk and the cops show up immediately. They were watching Frank's house. They've got him red-handed. They open the trunk, they dump out the satchel and it's all the knickknacks he stole from the boutique. There are no jewels in here at all. Um, and they decide they're gonna search the house. Before they can, Frank comes out drinking some OJ, calm as hell, says, hey, you guys wanna come inside? Um, so they come inside and they start turning the house upside down and somewhere in here hunter realizes exactly what's happened but but he called he told the robot to lie his dad isn't dying he's walking around just fine he's manipulated everybody in this scene including the cops and he's been using the robot to do his dirty work and we get this kind of back and forth as he confronts his dad and tells him off and the cops keep yelling at him and then eventually they realize, oh, the robot has memories and we can download his memories and that will be, we'll catch him red-handed. And the robot says self-destruct sequence initiated and starts counting down from 10. Frank immediately runs out the front door. <laughs> the cops aren't buying it until we get to about three or two and they're like, oh crap, and they run out. They have that moment of, if I'm wrong, I'm dead. I'd rather be wrong and alive. <laughs> exactly. So uh, while they're running outside, Frank steals his son's car, drives around back, picks up the robot, and they take off. Um, and they have to lay low. So he goes to the library, which, of course, they already know how to break into. Uh, and they break in, and he goes to his librarian friend's office. Uh, and here we get, I think, perhaps the most impactful scene in the entire movie where he's talking to her and admitting, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the run from the cops. You know, I'm a jewel thief. Uh, I'm gotten in trouble. And he's looking at pictures on the wall and we start getting a look at the pictures on the wall and we see that it's his kids and his kids with the librarian. And then he and the librarian together. And we realize before he does that she is his ex-wife and he has completely forgotten her, even though she lives in the same town and he sees her every day. Uh, and he says, is this you? And she says, yes. And he says, is this me? And they share a kiss. And then I think a wave of emotions overcomes Frank um, and he just leaves. And we cut to him and the robot walking back home. And he's like, we're gonna have lunch and then we're gonna plan our next job. Um, and he's already trying to shake off, I think, the pain that he has just experienced. Um, they go home. Before the cops can grab him, he locks the front door. He knows they're going to be in any minute, so he starts tying sheets together so he can climb down the window, and the robot is finally able to break through to him and say, listen, dude, I'm not a person. Um, the only way you get out of this is to wipe my memory. And so he finally accepts the truth. And I I need to watch this movie five or six times to really understand everything it's trying to say about memory and memory loss uh, between Frank and the robot. Um, I think symbolically Frank doesn't want to do this because it's like wiping his own memory. He's also come, come to be fond of the robot. And then one of the best visuals I've ever seen, Frank is sitting on the bed and how do, how do I do it? And the robot says there's a button back here and leans forward so that in order to wipe the robot's memory, they're basically hugging each other. Um, and then we cut, uh, obviously some time has passed and Frank is in one of those um, homes, I guess, that he never really wanted to be in. Um, we see his son come to visit him. Initially, he doesn't recognize him. Then he goes back to the house Princeton thing that he's used to asking his son, even though his son hasn't been at Princeton, Princeton in 30 years. His son leads him out, they go down some stairs and his daughter and his ex-wife are waiting for him and they go out and have a picnic. And it's just a lovely moment because everybody finally is happy. Um, and he seems to know he's with family. 
even if he doesn't have the specific memories that he wished he had. And then they say goodbye, and he walks back to his room, and he sees another old person coming around the corner with the robot just like his. And for a pause, he's like, is that my robot? And then another one goes by in the background, and he's like, no, it's not mine. And he goes into his room, and the credits roll. Uh, I do want to note the closing credits are pretty neat uh, because it's all footage of robots doing everyday tasks, opening drawers, uh, lifting people into hospital beds. And I think some of it is, maybe all of it is real robot footage. If not, they went to a great deal <laughs> of it's expense. All real. It's all to, real robot footage. I figured yeah, I it was real. about that, yeah. Uh, Aaron, I believe this was your first time through. Uh, yeah, Robot I didn't even know this Frank. new movie existed until last week. Um, so, uh, what was your experience like? I will mention uh, at the end. Uh, maybe I missed you saying so. He does mention something about the tomato garden, and we're led to believe that the the diamonds are in the tomato garden. And his I kids forgot that. Yeah, he made, hands um, his son a note when they're saying goodbye at, right. at the very end, and I'm, I forgot to note that. And that's kind of like the final reveal of oh, maybe the you know he got one over on him or whatever. Um. I I will say overall I liked this movie. I have very mixed feelings on it. Um, this is one of those great examples of why, with what we do uh, with sinning movies and that kind of stuff, why we always say just because a movie is sinful doesn't make it bad. This this movie is very sin. There are a lot of things I don't buy in this movie. There, I you know I think the reveal of the mom at the end is a little weird considering what we've seen before and how it, you know, didn't come up and why a son's coming this far when the ex-wife lives this close and, you know, all these, you know, kind of things. Um, it is one of the, this is a pet peeve of mine, so please forgive me. It's going to sound like I hate this movie for a second. It already does. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of the dumbest versions of the future I've ever seen. I, like, <laughs> I, I was so distracted by the stupid transparent screens on everything and these giant clunky robots that would be no good, you know, for anybody doing things that they have no right to be doing and would not have the ability to do. Dumb, tiny little skinny cars flying down the road like that's where we're headed you know uh it just it was one of those things where that I just, tiny car is real I, it was real in, in existence that's correct it was real in 2012 when this movie came out because it's where we are now not where we're headed with uh with car transportation um yeah it was one of those things where i was like you know if if her is on one end of the spectrum of like this will be the future this is on the other side of uh the spectrum <laughs> none of that kept me from enjoying the humanity of this movie i think this movie is uh extremely human extremely beautiful um i do have a question for you before i continue on okay do you feel the movie ever redeems or tries to redeem frank no I don't think so either. And I find that very, very interesting because it has a great opportunity to. There is a way this movie ends that I think completely gives us another level into Frank. And that way is he refuses to wipe the memory of the robot and goes to jail even at his age and then, you know, is moved to a care facility or whatever at some point in the future. Like that's the easy out for this movie, right? Is that it takes all these themes about memory and about his relationship with this non-living thing and how he's imbuing it with this idea of worth and value. And he says, no, I won't do that to you because it's happening to me. I refuse to wipe your memory. I'd rather go to jail. Like that's the, you know, that's kind of the out of redemption for Frank or that kind of thing. But the movie doesn't go that route. The movie well, kind of lets him be a thief and not a great person to his family. Well, and I think, okay, so I have lots of thoughts to respond to that and I'm not trying to cut off your response to the movie. No, 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 you get um, I feel like if there's any redemption, uh, it's maybe the son. Um, sure. Because I feel like at the end, he's finally able to just freely love his dad with none of the baggage. Um, yeah, I think sure. this movie came dangerously close to doing what you're talking about. If we mm -hmm. don't see him wipe the robot's memory, and I don't even think we do. I, I don't remember if we actually see him push the... Uh, he says, I knew you had an off button. And then right, I think but we, I don't think he pushes the button yeah. in that scene. So yeah. when it cuts to the home, you could very easily have made that a prison home. Like, sure. You could have had him walk out, picnic with his family, and then when they leave, see a bunch of razor wire on a mm -hmm. fence and a guard tower. And I think that might have captured what you're looking for. Uh, and then somehow we reveal that the robot 
is still with but it. But I don't, I don't know the movie is worse, worse off for it. I find it interesting. And, right. and one of the things when, when I, I don't need a film to redeem its central character. I don't need that to happen. What I, what I need to happen is to have uh, discussions and interesting thoughts and, and to feel something. And this movie accomplishes all of those things. So, so I, Chad, I don't. The chat is saying he did press the button for sure. Yeah. So I yeah. Missed that. Um, so yes, I, I, I believe that is the case. So I, you know, it's one of those interesting cases where the movie, I think makes a pretty bold decision to just kind of let him be a thief, um, uh, by the end of it. And I don't know, there's something authentic about that. There's something real about I that. I so far as to say the son character as presented in the movie is going to take that, dig that stuff up and take it straight to the cops. Like could be sure. Like morally, I don't get the sense that he's the kind of guy who would be like, "Dad got us some jewels, all right." Like, <laughs> I feel like he's gonna at least. There's a whole other movie you could have here with him, like staring right. at the garden, deciding yeah, maybe I should just leave it there. I don't know. Right, right. Um, I think this movie is. I think the human. I uh, my one sentence review that I logged on Letterbox last night is everywhere this movie fails with the technology, it succeeds with the humanity, and I think that's really, really important um because i did feel connected to him and the aging and you know you get a sense that uh this person has been so independent and so self-centered in many ways not necessarily in a good way um that this idea of him losing himself is so painful because of how he has lived his life um so i i find that really really interesting the don quixote thing is yeah. you know clearly thematic and beautiful yep. and you know um the idea of seeing things that aren't real or not understanding what's you know really going on around you doing a you know a big last task like i found all of that um interesting uh i found it humorous i think the movie has you know great stretches of humor just simple things like uh the robot saying that cereal is for children here's a grapefruit and he says you're for children stupid uh, <laughs> <laughs> class just like a classic kid insult uh at that um when they make the robots talk to each other i thought that was really yes was, was really Pretend sweet that robot is a human and have a conversation with it <laughs> right yeah um there's one point and it's just the delivery on this one where i believe it's it's frank i don't think it's the robot i think it's frank who just goes oh planning this burglary was such a good idea <laughs> just the way he says it just kind of made me laugh uh, I thought that was great. Um, uh, Jeremy Strong, man, yeah. what an actor. Like, yeah. I just, you know, after watching him in succession for a while and seeing him in some other things, it's really clear he's not afraid to really do character acting. And uh, whether you buy the performance here or not, it's clearly a, a bit um, stereotypical one-note kind of stuff. I just, I, I really find him interesting. And I wouldn't have really known who he was at this time if I had seen this. Oh, me neither. Um, but, but uh, he's but yeah, massively method, and I I wrote a note like it's it's very humorous to me to picture him on set of this movie, like I don't know what his quote unquote method is, but staying sure. in that character even when yeah. he's not filming that yeah. is a humorous notion to me because that character is obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of humor for me. There's a, there's a part where Frank partway through the movie turns to the robot and says you're starting to grow on me and the robot says thank you frank it's time for your enema <laughs> <laughs> uh and then there's a gut puncher of a line from james marsden who i think is sneaky good in this movie uh where he's yelling at his dad and he says the best thing you ever did was being locked up so i didn't have to be raised by you uh, mm. and i felt that was pretty powerful and he has been is unexpected range uh in this movie so <clears throat> yeah yeah. Uh, All right. One final technology thing before we get to the next part. Uh, <laughs> We're going to end on a downer. <laughs> listen, I have to say it. I have to say it. Just one sin. Just one sin before we move on. <laughs> this high tech family from the near future doesn't have a single camera in their house. Like, how mm. is how is that even? Mm. Okay, anyways, continue. Right. Move on. Yeah. No, no, I don't get it. I get it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, okay, so I think it's time for the super secret double feature. Um, All right. And that is your responsibility this week, so uh, I'm curious to see what you brought. 
Be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. I love a lot of the suggestions. Uh, There are a lot of ways you can go with this. And the the suggestions in the chat uh, kind of uh, go along with that. Uh, Moon with Sam Rockwell was mentioned. I think that's a really interesting one. Kind of that Mm. solitary trying to figure thing out Mm. with the robot. Catch Me If You Can was mentioned by somebody. Um, Yeah, I can kind of see that. Nice. Uh, I went through, uh, you know, my mind lingered on robots for a while. I thought of her, uh, decided not to go with her. Um, There's a movie came out recently called After Yang that this reminded me of quite a bit. And it's about a family that has a uh, an android uh, in this. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that one kind of uh, reminded me uh, of this. I thought of a man called Otto. Which is interesting because it deals again with, you know, this idea of when you age and people disappear from your life and, you know, you become solitary and what is there out there to change that. But eventually went with a different Tom Hanks loner movie uh, that actually does have a robot. Uh, I went with Finch. I don't know if you ever got a chance to see Finch, but it gives me a lot of these same feels of a robot who brings humanity to the people around them as it's learning what humanity is. Mm. Uh, This is clearly more apocalyptic uh, that we're dealing with here. But basically, this is a robot whose sole purpose is uh, to save Finch's dog. Um, And uh, and that becomes a really interesting kind of plot point through the movie. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, Hanks is great as usual. And I think this one's worth a watch. I think it just kind of flew under the pandemic radar a little bit and um and well yeah. part of the part of the thing is it's this is an apple plus movie like yes hanks yes. has gone on a spree of making straight to streaming movies that i am i haven't i don't think i've seen the only one i've seen was news of the world uh mm-hmm. which i liked quite a bit but i yeah. haven't seen the boat one i haven't Ooh, the seen the boat one's great that's one that's actually probably my favorite of that run oh really gray right. greyhound maybe is that what it's greyhound. called something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's it. good stuff. All right, I'll take your word for it. Um, and uh, it certainly sounds like a movie that would make a good match uh, for Robot and Frank. I'm surprised you didn't try and find a double feature that had really boxy, terrible future technology <laughs> that annoyed you. Um, it's the transparent screens. Why would we ever want transparent screens? It's well, so hey, dumb. listen, you're preaching to the converted. I've been railing about holograms in movies for almost 11 yeah. years now yeah. um all right so uh you are now the spotlight is on you for next week's homework uh and next week's big recommend what are we all going to be watching uh we are going to watch a movie that is one of those movies that you may think is weird to put in the category of film but i think this is a film it is a <laughs> produced It is a produced version of a magician show on Broadway. It is one of the most meaningful things I've ever seen. We're going to watch Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. Oh, you've Um, raved about this to me before. This is so good. I and that's ultimately the reason why I want to go with it, even if it does kind of stretch the ideas of what a film is. It is feature length. It is uh, directed by Frank Oz. Uh, It is absolutely a movie that was thought was put into, um, how it uh, came about. It it was a show, um, I think off-Broadway or on-Broadway that he did uh, for a while. Um, I think it holds a lot of, will hold a lot of surprises if you've never seen it before, and I think will uh, develop into a lot of interesting conversations. So uh, Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself All right. uh, will be the movie All next right. week. Pushing the boundaries here, Aaron. Changing the definition of film on the show. I don't know. I think this. I think ultimately this fits into the idea of. I mean, it has a director. It's you know, um, I don't know. It'd be kind of like the Hamilton thing, but even uh, even even closer to a film than that. I'm already now. You got me planning to recommend uh, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour whenever that comes. I like it. Let's do it. We'll go. We'll go. uh, We'll do Recotopia live from the theater. Speaking of that. I listen. I appreciate what she's doing because she's she's going to give that concert experience to a bunch of fans that have never had it because um, they couldn't afford the tickets. And she has already gone to the unions and met every stipulation that they had. Yeah, it got fuzzy for some reason for a second there. Um, but they are encouraging people to clap, scream, sing along. Yeah, be at the concert. I pity 
the people in the next door auditorium. <laughs> this, is coming, from, so this is coming from a theater manager point of yeah, view, right? I yeah. mean, you almost have to schedule empty buffer auditoriums. There's going to be so, there's already a, a, an issue with noise bleed in most theaters when you have a bombastic mm. action film next to a period piece or something, but this is going to be next level. I'm, I'm, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, I am fascinated by it. Uh, it is already like, I was looking at the showings uh, on my app locally. Most of them are already sold out uh, mm -hmm. for that first weekend. Like there are going to be people going to this over and over again, the way people went to Avengers Endgame over and over again. Yeah. I'm, I'm she's, a genius as far as i'm concerned yes yeah, i agree uh let's knock out a few questions real quick before sure. we all head to lunch even though my stomach does not want to do any questions um <laughs> question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening what's a movie with a good third act but the rest of the movie is just not good hmm uh i'm gonna go with uh pirates of the caribbean at world's end uh, for this answer, I really like uh, just the mm. uh, the energy and amazingness of uh, that whole third act. But that movie is any of those movies other than the first one just feel so um, shallow to me. So. Okay, so forgive me. Which one is that? <laughs> <laughs> Which one is that? World's End. Yes. I'm not sure. What, like, what order do they go in? I I always get uh, confused, but uh, I, I will look it up. Is this I think the it, one with the giant whirlpool in the ocean and challenge? Yes, that? yes, okay. yes. Yeah. So I think it's the it's the third movie. Um, yes. And then I think the so. yeah. So and I think it was the it's like the second part of weren't the second two shot at the same time and released consecutive years. Anyways, I, I just really like how that one ends. I think it's I just really know cool they kept going after this one, and that the next two is what made me not be able to tell any of the any yeah. of them apart. Yeah. Um, my answer here is basically an answer you gave recently for a similar question. It's the Phantom Menace um, because that movie is uh, slow and draggy and boring, and then we get to the big finale, and Lucas does his "I'm going to jump between three big action sequences back and forth" thing, and we get the best lightsaber battle ever. Um, but yeah, up until then. It's a slog for me. Mm -hmm. I'll fast forward. Um, I love this question. Uh, mm. Using the prey format, which horror villain are you dropping into what time and place? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go. The villain I'm dropping in is whatever entity controls the Final Destination movies. Uh, <laughs> death. So death, right? Um <laughs> So death is the villain, and I want to throw it into World War II era about oh. somebody who managed to avoid going to the war that was going to die in the war, oh. um, and uh, and go that route. So yeah, Snap. I kind of yeah. dig that. Although you'd or, have to or something in the so like you know the idea being and you believe me you'd have like tones to balance right like the sure. seriousness of war and then the the silliness and uh, Looney Tunes-ness of Final Destination movies. But like if there was like a battalion that got diverted somehow that was supposed to be on Normandy oh. or whatever, and then that battalion, um, you know, fight. I, I, I foresee them fighting together to beat uh, death in some way or whatever and losing a few of them along the way. But um, but yeah, anyways. Slab says alien during Christ's crucifixion. <laughs> Slab. Go to hell. Um, I want to see colonial era Jaws. There you mm. go. I want to see, I want to see pilgrims. I want to see Jamestown, whoever the, I want to <laughs> see people in the big tall hats um, and they get eaten by a shark and they have to use wood to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love this question. I do feel like if, if the predator franchise doesn't, do this i think my, my fear is they're going to make a direct sequel to prey uh but i would rather see them jump to a completely different time and place mm -hmm. and sure. do what they did with prey uh with a different culture and different you know, weapons and whatnot um let's do one more and then uh we'll uh we'll go to lunch you can go back to pre-imax years and choose one film to be retroactively shot and presented in imax what do you choose Man, I mean, this one has an obvious answer for me, which is the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, trilogy. It would mm. be amazing to have seen what Peter Jackson would have done with that real estate and um, and would be incredible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the obvious answer, but I think I want to jump even a little further back, uh, back to the past, uh, to, uh, encourage back to the future to have been an IMAX. I think that would be mm. a really fun one to mm. uh, see in the big sound, big format. Somebody uh, threw out way. vertigo and that feels perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Imagine, imagine what you could do with some of those visuals. Uh, Jurassic Park. That's another good one. I um, saw a, uh, I saw a print of vertigo on the big screen in Chicago. Uh, when we were in college around there, they were doing a, a retrospective or something. And, and it was, it was like one of those film experiences that just kind of just like, Oh yeah. So I'm watching movies the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. kind of thing. <clears throat> So, yeah. uh, I, my answer here, I wanted to go with the Matrix because that's just easy to answer everything that way. But I'm going to go uh, with Dances with Wolves, um, <clears throat> which is already a gorgeous movie, even before the age of HD. Um, and I just feel like if some of those sweeping vistas, like I don't want to give all the credit to Co- Kevin Costner. I think that cinematographer was doing a lot of heavy lifting. But uh, in IMAX, I think some of that would just be jaw dropping. Oh, Kurosawa Samurai. Uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That's an awesome good answer. Um, The chat, we want to thank you guys for chiming in and showing up uh, and being snarky and friendly and helpful with the information. Uh, You guys are awesome. Next week's homework is Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. Aaron, off the top of your head, do you know? It's it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. All right. It's on Hulu. Everybody, we'll see you back here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. For Aaron Dyser, this is Jeremy Scott. And see you. Bye. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the Cinemasins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or Cinemasins Twitter at cinemasins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.